Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoyed listening to the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. Did you come tonight thirsty? The passage that um, Bradley read for us, um, it ends by telling Israel that they had forsaken the fountain of living water for cisterns that will hold no water. God is ultimately satisfying. He was, he called himself the fountain of living water. And his people had gone after idols, blocks of wood, bricks, things that couldn't speak, that had no power to do anything. And God says they, they have forsaken the fountain of living water for cisterns. They can hold no water. Broken cisterns. They can hold no water. Jesus is the fountain of living water. Have you come thirsty tonight? Are you thirsty? All of us were born with a thirst for something more. You think of the, the philosophies of the age and existentialism and... Um, uh, nihilism, these philosophies that basically they say, say there's, there's nothing, no real meaning. Either there's no meaning and, and we just go off in, into a meaningless existence or we just create our own meaning. But how real can that be if we just create whatever meaning we want to get out of life? Now we have a thirst for something real. A thirst for something that transcends us. It's been said that human beings are incurably religious. That we, we have a, a, a God-sized hole that is within us and we are thirsty until that is filled. We want to have meaning in life. We want to have forgiveness we want to have what Jesus offers. He is the fountain of living water. Let's read our text from John chapter 4. And it's a little bit of a long text tonight. We're going to be looking from verse 1 to 30, so bear with me tonight. Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, Although Jesus himself did not baptize only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water, and said to her, Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? 
for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it was that was saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You're right, saying, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that it is in Jerusalem is the place where people should, ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers we will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to Him, I know that the Messiah is coming, He who is called Christ. When He comes, He will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then, his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman. But no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? When they went out of the town, then they went out of the town and were coming to him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Father, speak to us tonight. Father, let us worship you in spirit and in truth. And Father, um, be with me, a weak sinner. I am weak, but you are strong. Your word will not return void. Give me strength to preach. In Jesus' name, amen. The scene 
is that Jesus was traveling with his disciples from Judea to to um, Galilee. Judea down in the south, Galilee up in the north, and in order to get there, the most direct route was to go right through Samaria. Of course, there was a problem with that. The Jews and the Samaritans didn't get along. You know the story of the Good Samaritan and how the, the priest and the Levite, they just passed over on the other side. They didn't want to defile themselves by, by touching this, this man that had uh, been robbed and beaten. But the Samaritan, he was the good guy in the story, which was just amazing in terms of Jesus' culture, this Jewish culture that wouldn't want to have anything to do with Samaritans. This went way, way back in their history. Um, back in the history of, of Israel, with uh, Israel in the, in the north and Judah in the south. Um, in 722 B.C., Assyria came in and they wiped out Israel. And what they did was um, they brought in people from other nations that they had conquered and resettled them there. And they intermarried with the Israelites who were there. So what you ended up was was a, a mixed breed race of uh, Israelite and pagans. And they uh, had a, a syncretistic religion where they, they brought in some of the elements of their paganism and they had some of the elements of their Judaism and so when those Jews who came back from Babylon after the Babylonian captivity, when they returned, they had remained pure over in Babylon. They came back and they saw these, these Israelites, these Samaritans, who had intermarried, who had um, basically been unfaithful in their worship to the true God, and they didn't want to have anything to do with them for hundreds and hundreds of years. And this is still going on at the time of Jesus. Many, it's been said that most Jews, they, instead of going from Judea to Galilee through Samaria, they would go around. They would go over to the Jordan River and up and across so that they would be able to get there without having to go through Samaria. But here, Jesus... says that he must go through Samaria. He had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town called Sychar, and there was a well there. This was Jacob's well. You, know, you, you may have heard of it. Jacob's well. You know, the well that Jacob dug. It's supposed to be a famous well. You, you think back to Jacob and Esau, the stories there. Abraham's grandsons. And Jacob dug this well and, and it, it survived all the way up to the time of Jesus. We even know with pretty good historical accuracy where this well is today. It's probably about a, a half a mile outside of the town if we, if we know the right town. And as Jesus was going through Samaria, going by this town says it was the sixth hour. It was, would have been noon. About, about noon. He was passing through. It was hot. And it said that he was wearied. 
you see. Yeah, in verse 6, it says, Jesus, wearied as He was from His journey, was sitting beside the well. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. What do we see here? Jesus was fully human. Jesus was fully God and yet fully human. This is mysterious. This is what the Bible teaches. This is what Christians have confessed for 2,000 years. Jesus is fully God, fully man. He didn't just appear to be God. When He walked a long distance, it was hot. It was noon. The sun was down, baking Him. It says He was wearied. And He was thirsty. He needed a drink of water. And He asked this Samaritan woman for a drink. This was strange. No Jew would do that. No Jew would even ask a woman for a drink of water or speak to a woman in public, regardless of whether it was a Samaritan or not. But this was a Samaritan woman. And he asked her for a drink. The disciples were gone. They weren't on the scene. It says they had gone into the city to buy food. And the Samaritan woman, she's shocked. She's surprised. She marvels at what Jesus has done. She says, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? She knew her place. And she asked Jesus, how could you do this? How could you talk to me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God, who it was that was saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. It's kind of a strange reply. Really, the answer to her question, how is it that you, a Jew, asked me for a drink, a Samaritan woman, was the fact of who Jesus was. He wasn't just any Jewish man. He was... God in the flesh. He was the fountain of living water. And he, he, he tells her, if you really knew who I was, you could ask me for a drink. He stays on the same topic about water, yet he brings in something new. He says, I can give you living water. And you drink that, you'll never thirst again. The woman, she misunderstands Jesus. What did she say? The woman said, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with. And the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? She was thinking in her mind, a flowing stream. That, that kind of living water. She's thinking, where, where are you going to get that? You don't have a bucket? You don't have a, anything to draw the water with? She misunderstands Jesus. And this isn't the first time we've seen this in the Gospel of John. Just in chapter 3, you have Jesus talking with Nicodemus. Jesus talks with Nicodemus, says, unless you, you are born again, you can't see the kingdom of heaven. And Nicodemus misunderstands Jesus. It says, well, do I need to go back into my mother and be born again a second time? She says, no, 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 no. You're not getting me. This is not a physical thing. This is spiritual. 
here, Jesus has the same kind of reaction whenever He speaks of heavenly things. He's not understood. The woman says, where's your, where's your bucket to dip the water? Where is this living water? And Jesus explains Himself. The woman, let's see, in verse 12, are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. And Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. This last part gives us the hint. This is not just any plain running water, any, any flowing stream. This is a spiritual thing. It says it gives eternal life. And the Samaritan woman, she responds, Sir, give me this water. She's excited about it. She wants some. She says, give me this water that I won't be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Still misunderstanding. Excited, but still misunderstanding. She thinks that maybe if she has this water, she won't have to come anymore. It was probably a shameful thing that she had to come at the time she did. She was a resident of the city. And yet she was coming out in the heat of the day at noon to come and draw this water. Why didn't she go in the morning? Whenever it was cool, the cool of the day. Probably because of what we find out next. Jesus said, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And the one you have now is not your husband. Jesus put his finger right where her sin was. You know, if, if we were sharing the gospel with someone, sharing the gospel, and, and they were excited and saying, give me some of that. I want to know about this living water. What would we probably do? We would probably say something like, pray this prayer with me. We say, bow your head and pray this prayer. We would say, come walk the aisle. We would say, say yes to Jesus. That's not what Jesus did here. Instead, Jesus puts his finger on her sin. He says, go call your husband. She admits she has seen he has seen who she is. And what does she do? She realizes he's somebody different. She says, I perceive that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain. But you say that Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. On this. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. She changes the subject, doesn't she? Jesus tells her, go call your husband. He has identified her sin. What does she do? She 
changes the subject. She asks him about some religious controversy. And isn't that how it often goes? When you're sharing the gospel with someone and they have this picture of what churches and Christianity is all about, and they, they think, well, some, you know, Catholics do this, and Protestants do this, or Methodists do this, and Presbyterians do this, and Baptists do this, and which is right? What do you think? Same kind of thing. She was making an excuse. She didn't want to hear what Jesus had to say. He was making it uncomfortable, putting his finger on her sin. So she changes the subject. Jesus gives her an answer, but he won't take any excuse. He says, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you know, we worship what... Uh, you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming, and is now here, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. He answers her, Well, salvation is of the Jews. He says, It is Jerusalem. That is the place. But it's not going to matter very much longer. Jesus tells her, an hour is coming and is now here whenever true worshipers are going to worship in spirit and in truth. He says, you know, all this time the Jews have been right. Jerusalem was the place. But it's changing with me. Jesus said that true worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. What is it to worship in spirit and in truth? Some might think that worshiping in spirit is to get all emotional, to get all wound up and everything. I, I don't think so. I think what it means to worship in spirit is to be born again, to have a new life, for Jesus to put His Spirit in you, to be regenerated. Jesus, when He was talking with Nicodemus, said, uh, said that the, the Spirit blows where it wishes. You don't know where it goes. Such it is with the Spirit. The wind blows, the Spirit. Wind, Spirit, I told you that a few weeks ago, they're the same word. To worship in Spirit is to be a Christian. To be born again. To have new life within you. Others can come to church. They can sing the songs. They can do all the, the things that we do as a ritual. But if there's no changed heart, it doesn't please God. In fact, in the Old Testament we see examples where God tells me, stop your new moon Sabbaths and stop all your worship. Stop all your sacrifices. It's making me sick. Because what He wants is not our rituals and the things that we do. He wants our hearts to be changed. To worship in spirit is to have new life. And to worship in truth. Again, truth. That is something that our, our society today, our culture, wants to just deny. Uh, uh, the, the, uh, the nihilistic philosophies again... Just say there is no truth. 
And we can be tempted to think, well, worship is having really good music that just, you know. But Jesus says real, true worship is worship in truth. We don't want to hear anybody making claims to truth today. In fact, if somebody makes a claim to truth, we might think they're, they're uh, arrogant. To, to know the truth? Oh, come on. You can't be serious. It matters what we believe. Jesus says to worship Him truly is to worship in spirit. To have that born again new life in you and to worship in, in truth. I think when we come, when we hear God's Word, it ought to affect us emotionally. We hear the truth of God's Word and the, the thinking and the, the processing of what God has said in His Word ought to lift our emotions. It, it gives us good news of a God who's came and died for us. Then, Jesus says, God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. The woman said to Him, I know that the Messiah is coming. He who is called the Christ. When He comes, He will tell us all things. So, first Jesus puts His finger on her sin, points to the fact that she is an adulteress. She changes the subject. Oh, well, what about this religious controversy? Jesus explains it. And what does she do? Well, you know, I've heard this Messiah is coming, and when He gets here, He'll explain it all. Kind of brushes off what Jesus says. And then He tells her... <laughs> I who speak to you am He. Amazing. He tells this woman, I am He. I am the Messiah. You know, think of when others called Jesus the Messiah, like Peter, whenever he confesses that Jesus is the Christ and Jesus warns him, don't tell anybody. Yet, this Samaritan woman talks about the Messiah, and Jesus just blanketly says, I am He. Amazing that He would do that. Just then, the disciples came back. Remember, they, were, they had gone into town, they were buying food, they came back and they marveled. They marveled at Jesus, that He was talking with a woman. But they respected their teacher. They didn't ask why He was doing it or anything like that. And the woman, she was so amazed that she left her water jar and went into town. There's a lot of amazement about Jesus here. The woman, at first, she was amazed that Jesus would speak to her, a Samaritan woman. The disciples were amazed that Jesus would be talking with a woman. And here, the woman, we can tell from her actions, she was amazed. She was so amazed that she just forgot what she was doing. She left. She had come out there in the heat of the day to fill up her water jar, and she forgets it. Goes into the town. Something more important has happened. She goes into the town and she tells the people in the town, come out and see this man who told me everything that I'd ever done. 
And she says, could this be the Christ? Oh, she only knew. Could this be the Christ? And they went out of the town and they were coming to Him. This is an amazing story. The people in it were amazed. The disciples were amazed. The woman was amazed. We should be amazed at Jesus. Have we lost what it is to be amazed at Jesus? Do we just come every Sunday and go through the same motions that we always have? True worship is when we're amazed at who Jesus is. We recognize Him for who He is and it moves us. Are you amazed at who Jesus is? And second, Jesus, He reached down to the lowly. He didn't care what people were going to think. He didn't care what His disciples think or or anything else. He spoke to this woman that nobody else would have anything to do with. And in that, we need to follow His example. When we go and we share the Gospel, go to the lowly. Go not just to those who we think might be upwardly mobile and who could bring good things to our church. But no, we go to all those who are lowly, who no one else would want. We share about the good news that gives them satisfaction. The the water of life. Are you thirsty? Jesus is ultimately satisfying. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.wordpress.com or you can like us on Facebook. Facebook.